morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about what if the GM is wrong? Oh my God. But they're never wrong, Jolene. Uh, I don't know. So I hear this. I've been hearing this for, well, I've been at this game for quite a bit. This role playing gig thing. And for the most part, I think most people in the past have always said that the GM is God. Right, they control everything. I think that's just in your brain. I, I've never really heard people say the GM is God. At the role playing game table, yes, because they create the world, they control NPCs, they make up the adventures, they arbitrate the rules. I believe that's the term that most people use these days. They arbitrate the rules. Well, they interpret the rules or they know the rules. Though in recent times, I think most newer role-playing games a lot have a, a lot of newer games have kind of dissipated that idea i think that has to do with the idea of the adversarial gm that the gm is like he's in charge and he always makes all the rules and he's trying to kill us he doesn't <laughs> like me to do what i want to do i think that's that changed a lot of the way they actually wrote it into the rules saying Kill the, the GM is not trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking along the lines that I haven't really thought about the adversarial GM, though they do exist, and I don't know how they exist now, but they are out there like new adversarial GMs. Yes, because people are always get really upset when they run into one. So uh, one way that this, uh, this idea about GMs having total control over the role-playing game table is there's been a number of newer ideas or ideas that have changed the way the game is written the rules are written for example narrative control there's a lot of newer games that take away some of that narrative control from the gm and give it to the player and then there's even uh the, another idea is tight rules if the rules are really well written and there's less room for the GM to be able to call blue lightning and kill your character. Okay. I want to say something about the the narrative control. Oh, okay. I'm confused. It goes to the player. I know what it means, but I don't I don't remember any rules that are written where the players have the narrative control. Oh, there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of rules. There's uh, Can you give me an example? Okay, I will give you an example. Uh, let's say uh, any cipher system game. Oh, that's the system I couldn't figure out. Uh, I don't know if you couldn't figure it out. I don't think you've ever played. That was... Numenera. I don't think that's the only game that I've ever run or played in. No, that's not true. We also no, that is true. There is also there's but every but but every when he's Numen done having a conversation with himself, he'll but tell us something. Every Numenera game has the ability of the person to add something to the the situation. Now we have played GMless games, and I I'm using air quotes because we had to have two people figure out how to do that, where the players. Are making the narrative right as That's you're going sure. right yeah but that was the that was the lindworm game well i that that is one of the things that i said there's gm less games where the rules are written to be done without a gm but even w what i'm saying is when it was written to be done without a gm we had to have two gms figure out how to get <laughs> us to be able to do that okay so 
because it's such a weird concept that game and miss other games probably like it there is the what they call a facilitator someone who has read the book who has done the who has maybe played once or twice in another game their knowledge is used to tap to be able to play the game easier because some of those games there is a uh, learning curve yes exactly so other games that allow you to have narrative control is by use of chips right plot point chips and stuff like that uh, that's that's a good one i like that the that's like fate where you give us the fate, fate uh, does it the uh, savage worlds uh, any 2d20 system depending on what rule set they have you can actually expend a chip to be able to add something to the scene like physically in the scene like oh uh i want to swing off from the chandelier i'm gonna and and in these games use plot points to do that or to change the scene there's a door there's a window here which the gm never said there was or wasn't there those kind of games allow the 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 player to add to it to take narrative control of the scene the situation but Usually when you're using a fate chip or a plot point or a a Benny or whatever yeah, it is, yeah. it's because something bad has happened and you don't want it to go that way. Well, the, a lot of times it's to save your butt kind of. Chip. I want to reroll. I'm going to give you this. Chip. Yes. Yes, exactly. Or I have a chip. I'm going to expend it to be able to uh, not get hit, reroll my miss or my save. Or I'm going to save. I'm going to change my my miss into a hit, or a mi- my miss into a. I'm not dead, right? Or- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's to save your butt, like to get another saving throw, whatever. It could it could just negate the hit. Like oh, I don't want to get hit this time. Here's a chip. Depending on the game, some some of those games that have chips, plot points, whatever you want to call them, the, there's different strengths as to what you could use them for. But if the GM is wrong, he might say, no, that's not the way that chip works. What are we talking about? What is G- okay, well, let's continue. Oh, yes. <laughs> so many times the GM's knowledge is, seems all-knowing because usually they actually read the book. They're usually the ones who got the rules and read them and want to run the game, right? Right, exactly. So they usually read rules, hopefully all of them, at least once or twice. I know that's probably much what I try to do. If I'm going to run a game that is like I want to run the game as it's intended and not as it. And Saul doesn't always do that. Saul doesn't always want to run the game as intended. Well, especially crunchy games, right? Because like I was trying to run, uh, it's based on the Zoolander rules flames of freedom and they have an action point economy where you spend action points to be able to move to fight or whatever and i decided well it was this is just a one shot over the i think we're playing online yeah and i said no i'm just gonna just use a regular old like D style your turn my turn your turn my turn type of thing and it worked out fine and then the next time we we i played in it the gm made a specific uh smart ass comment to me it was bay who's supposed to be my friend said well i'm gonna run the flames of freedom but i'm gonna use the real rules <laughs> what he said <laughs> well to my chagrin so i've run a lot of games and i played in a lot of games and i played under a lot of gms and some of them have been like they know all the rules right they're like wow you guys 
know all the rules. And for me, my first GM, my brother Felipe, who ran AD and well, original D and D, and then we moved to AD and D. To me, it seemed like he knew all the rules, right? He would we would play, and he would make a ruling, and we'd do it, right? And mainly because he, I had never really read the player's handbook. I mean, I read the player's handbook. I've never really read the GM's guide. And it was that tone with the big demon on it, right? With the big old fire sword. And it was like, oh, I wasn't, well, I wasn't allowed to look at that book, right? Because it had secret information, especially that gem table. That was the really secret information. Anyway, so he was very good at, at just running the game. And another GM from my history is uh, Mark who was really well-versed in Traveler. I mean, he knew those rules back and forth, knew all kinds of history, and he even started a zine. He had a, a, a zine that lasted like 20 episodes or 20 issues where he would draw things and and give them specifications and all that, and then it was he, people would order them, and he'd send them out. Send them out. <clears throat> go to, the old way was to stamp an envelope and all that. Another way you could get away with players thinking that you know the rules is being very very good at improvisation and very very good at quick thinking thinking on your feet reacting to a situation and in, and it's so seamless it's like when when you you have to make that kind of a ruling of any kind and it just flows right out of you people go man this guy really knows his stuff some people say that <laughs> well regardless but that's what happens right so you're People who run games really well and are are they their GM style is really uh, whatever GM style they have, but they they just make rulings and they make decisions on the fly, and it seems like they're making those decisions on knowledge that you may not have as a player. So that that is like you're talking. What you're talking about is the GM is the one that read the book. This was a a while ago, right? There was a player's, there usually is a player's handbook, a GM handbook, right. and a monster manual. And if you're a GM that doesn't want your players to read the monster manual and know all the monsters you're going to bring at them, you're going to say, don't read that. They're not going to listen. <laughs> if they're boys, they're not going to listen. Like Augustine and his friends, they read all the books. But that is different than now. Now there are actual plays to watch. There are... Most people, when they they do, if they want to play a game, they're going to read the rules one way or another online. They don't have to go and buy a book, right? Maybe they do, but sometimes they don't. Right. So there's a lot more information accessible to all the players. So even if you're a new player and you go, oh, I'm gonna, I want to play a D&D 5th edition. I saw this actual play and this is how, the way that it works. And a whole bunch of people watch it. Your friends watch it and then they read the stuff, right? Right. And they're like, okay, everybody has their own idea of how everything goes. So right. then the whoever's the GM, if it's an older GM or if it's one of your friends who's a GM, if it's your friend, you're probably going to go, that's not the way that I read it. Right? Well, I mean, the big problem is that they don't usually have that kind of discussion, I don't think, when when you first start playing, right? Right. I don't think there's a general, well, did you guys, uh, like, I never really, well, actually I did. Because I couldn't understand the rules was in Shadowrun. I kept asking, well, what does this say? What does this mean? How are you supposed to do combat? We were having a general discussion about how how to do it. And it was like around the table. And it was one guy, 
Jason, who was very well versed in it. And so he tried to explain it to us and explain it to us. And I know he explained it to me at least a dozen times before I'm like, oh, I think he I, even made cheat sheets for I, everybody. Yeah, I think I am starting to understand after 12 times. But, but usually that doesn't happen, right? I don't think, and at least it hasn't been very often that that something like that happens. But it may happen more often than I know. Well, with, and with that one, the boys all read the entire book. Right. So a, a part of that is uh, along with, you know, reading the book and making your character is, especially if it's a country rule set, they make characters to, for example, like D&D or Shadowrun, they make characters who are very, uh, what is it? They have a specific skill set. Yeah, and they're very good at what they do. Yes. Right. Another thing is, is that D&D 3.0 and all the way through to D&D 5th edition, making a character... Usually involves combat, right? Because crunchy games, they're crunchy because usually com- combat is a big factor in the game. That's when, when there's a lot of rules. And so when you make that character, you're hoping to make the character uh, as efficient or to do things very well. And and I think uh, games that go against that kind of thing is like fate, right? Where you just you have five, I forget, five aspects, which are basically just phrases that can be used positive or negative against your character compare that to like dnd fifth edition where you have attributes skills and stuff right and most of those skills are geared toward fighting living depending in, on the kind of character you want to make yeah living in a medieval world where there's monsters everywhere so that happens and and when when characters are making the rules or making their character for that that's what they want to do there's a specific way to make a character or the specific way that they build a character to get the results that they want. And what happens is in combat, they test this. The th- skills that they created. Right. Uh, their, their skills in creating a character to have this kind of whatever function that is. So that happened to me in Pathfinder. We were playing Pathfinder and one of my players, even though, okay, so Pathfinder, I, I, we had a, a campaign. We started, I started another one. And everybody's made new characters. And we were playing in Galarian, which is the world of, of Pathfinder. And it's a high magic, high adventure type of uh, world. But at the time, I didn't want a high magical item littered throughout the world, right? So I was, in my mind, I wanted to limit magical items and therefore make magic a little bit less common. I didn't relay that to my players and one of the players made a character i think it's i forget what kind of character class it was but a character class in where about fourth or fifth level he would be able to start making magical items so about fourth or fifth player he first he goes i want to make a plus one magic sword or something like that and the gm didn't read the character sheet (laughs) i don't know what gm it was but he did it and uh, I didn't, and therefore I was surprised. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, I have this feat, this meta magic feat. I forget. You know, in Pathfinder, there's gazillions of feats. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not allowing you to make this. Uh, that was my moment, right? I'm like, oh, man, I messed up. And he was really upset because he really wanted to make uh, be able to make weapons. I go, look, I, I just, my idea was, and I didn't, like I said, my problem was I didn't relate that to the the players and here i am imposing this rule that i didn't really tell anybody but because i didn't think that players could do this 
because I hadn't really read the rule, those rules. I mean, it, there's a lot of rules to Pathfinder, and I hadn't read every feat, every meta magic feat, and all this stuff. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to allow that. And he was very upset. I'm like, look, you can make a, another character, same level and everything. Just, just I just don't want people making magical items. I don't want that to be a big. I don't want it to be a deal in my world. And uh, and he made another character, and he was pretty good about it. But I had made a mistake, and I've made mistakes in the past. Usually it's a, like a rule. This was like in Pathfinder, like a rule that I made or a ruling that I made that was in, air, was in contrast to the rules. Like another one was, this was in 5th edition, was shooting from behind a, an object, right? And Saul I've, doesn't like it if you try to shoot from behind an object. Well, the problem was is that, and I, I didn't understand the rules enough to realize that he... I could shoot at him, theoretically. So this one person was behind a wall. He'd pop out, shoot a zero, then pop back behind a wall. He said he could do this. I'm like, I don't think you can because what about your movement? And he said, oh, I could cut my movement and use half my movement and move and then move again. I'm like, I don't think you can. And he goes, yeah, I can. And you've read the rules, right? And he, he read me the rule. And I'm like, it sure seems like, how do I hit you? So the, the problem was is that I didn't understand the rules enough. So what I could have done is have the enemy character do like a i forget what it is a not a pause action but ready action hold hold action so they could hold an action until he popped out like overwatch yeah. in let's say uh warhammer 40k and then when he popped out i could shoot right and try to hit him but i didn't know the rules well enough and i didn't understand that so i'm like no i'm not gonna allow you to do that and he was, he, it was the same guy too it was the same per player and he got a little upset, and I'm like, well, let me, okay, let me just, you can go ahead and do it, and let me read up the rules. And I think I told everybody on the air already on the previous episode that I was online with D&D Raw and some important guy from D&D, I forget which one guy it was, whether it was Crawford. Explained it to you. Explained and he said, indeed, you could do that in the rules. And I told him, well, that's. That's, that's a stupid rule. That's a stupid rule, and I just quit the group right there, Facebook group. That is not true. I didn't know. I didn't quit the group because I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. I don't care less. So, so you've said all of these things just so, to get to the well because the GM I, I is wrong because I made a mistake, right? right? And I was able to mitigate that in certain in, in certain times. I said, okay, okay, you could go ahead and do that. Let me look at the rules, or you know, I'm pretty easy about rules, right? Especially because I may not read the entire book let, from front to back. Just because I just don't have enough time to read all the rules in all the games that I have. So I tend to fudge the rules. Or my idea is if it's, if it doesn't make sense, I don't like the rule, right? So there's that. That's his idea. And a lot of times the players have to argue for themselves <laughs> that this rule does make sense. But I'm also very open to people questioning the ruling that I make. And I understand that. And that's fine. So in the... We, Jolene was looking on Reddit and there was this guy who had a cleric who had a, who was able to use a concentration spell and that's a spell that lasts a long time and as long as he keeps his concentration the spell keeps going I forget I, I, I'm not sure but in the old days there was, this, there was a, a spell called spiritual hammer that Steve used that yeah so it would it would be attacking people and he would be able to do other stuff do other stuff attack. Saul hated that. 
<laughs> well, because he gets to attack twice, right? So this spiritual hammer is this ghostly hammer that's hitting people. And... But that's what concentration spells do, right? So, so that's what the guy said. So that I don't know, I don't know what spell it was. Do you remember what spell? I don't know what spell it was, but I know that the GM did not like it because by having that, it, it's like the spiritual hammer out yeah, there, right? Yeah, you're you're con you by. They don't mean that you are literally staring at it and making it it's work. It's like in the back of it's your mind. It's just in the back of your yeah, mind, yeah. right? And you can and you can actually have and combat. You, and you can do other stuff. And the only things that knock if if you get knocked out, it goes away. Um, if you get hit if by you a weapon, get hit by a weapon or hit, you have to make a concentration check. And and so it still is there unless yeah. you don't make the check, right? right. So right. but but this GM said no. Well, no, he told the player that that's overpowered. That's that. That's too much. Well, I'm not gonna allow that. So he didn't want to allow it, and the guy goes, "Oh, no!" He actually told him they got the rule wrong. So the him, this guy was supposedly a new player, right? That he called himself new, and I use quotes, and, and he was new to to role playing, and that this was one of his. That either was his first game ever. It was the first campaign. First campaign, and but he had been playing for a year. The campaign was had been going on for a year, right? Until this situation <laughs> happened, and then at one point he gets a spell that he can use, and he can probably spiritual hammer. It's one of the best. Spells. It has to be. Yeah. And so, the GM saw that he, this this cleric was like kicking butt, which is what clerics are supposed to do, <laughs> by the way. No, they're just supposed to heal people, honey. That's all they are, <laughs> and you know, absorb some damage every once in a while. But anyway, so the, the, the GM made a ruling that, that he thought it was overpowered and that he couldn't do that anymore. So he kept playing, and then he didn't like the, the way his cleric was hobbled because he couldn't throw a, a concentration spell, and, he, and if he threw a concentration spell, that's all he could do. So he played a few times, and he really felt hobbled. He used the term nerfed, which I didn't really understand until I'm thinking nerf is spongy, so it makes it... You know, it's like weaker, I guess. I don't know. Safer. I don't know what the thing is. But it's a very uh, common term in, in role-playing and video games. And he didn't like it. He did, wasn't having this. But he, he wasn't sure how to tell the GM. Well, and no, not only that, he did some research. Was of, of, you know, so he Googled it and he reread read, re the rules. And the way he, well, what he found out is that he was right. He could definitely use a concentration spell and still do other actions. There were things that could cause you to make a concentration check and lose the spell, but until something like that happened, he could do other things. Run around, probably even attack with his club or mace and still have spiritual hammer running around. So his quarry or problem was approaching the GM about it, right? Because he he was like, well, do I approach the GM because I don't want him to be kicked out of the game. I don't want to make him mad and then he's really not going to like me and then he's really going to hobble my character even more or whatever so what would you do in this situation Jolie? well there's different things you can do different tactics as a player you could take right one you well could... a lot of it two is context right who is this gm well right yes i was getting to that okay mr morales <laughs> so the there's different ways you can do it. One, you could sit, do the self self depreciation part. Was would be like, I'm confused. I thought that this was that I could do this. That's what I I thought the rules said, right? Right. Or you could say I thought I thought this was a a test uh, versus dex, not strength, 
how what am I missing? Right, that kind of a right. That kind you're of asking a question. So you're asking a question instead, instead of telling of, them. Yeah. Or <clears throat> you could say, "Hey, uh, shouldn't it be this instead?" And that's a more direct, a direct, more direct approach, right? But then, for those two ideas, right, you you put that out there in the middle of the game. The other idea is just to go along with it until the until you're out of game, and then you talk to the talk to the GM and right. say, "Okay." This is what it says in the book. Why are you saying I can't do it? <laughs> well, yeah, I think definitely talk to GM about this situation outside of the game without anybody else around. Well, and it depends on on that's where the the social context comes in, right? Ah, yes. If the GM is your friend and you know this person really well and he doesn't mind being corrected or asked questions, right? Which that's the way Saul plays, right? You can just ask him, um, uh, "What do you mean I can't do that?" And yes. they, I thought I read it this way. Right. And I th- and I think for me it's mainly because I know I don't know all the rules. And I go and I start from that foundation. And because and I've been wrong so many times before about rules that I'm like I'm not going to I'm not going to stick to my guns. Right. Except except for like when I've explicitly read something. I remember uh, there was a player who challenged me on a monster. I don't think a monster can do that. I go, yes, they can. Uh, really? I go, yes. And I remember specifically that the monster could could do it because I go, wow, that's pretty neat. And it's just and this was this was that was three No, I think this it might have been three point. Might have been Pathfinder, but that they had to do with what do you call it? Innate ability, special ability. And so all, all that stuff mattered in a certain way because if it was innate or special, you could counter it or not counter it or it was all kinds of mess. But because I read the rules and I had actually looked at the monster going, and I specifically looked at this monster because I really liked the monster. And so I read it and I read it again. M- much like when I used Jotung, the orc. The the, no, the no, troll. The troll. and With all those heads. With all the heads. And then there was a, a rogue who was trying to sneak up on it and because he has nine heads it is impossible to sneak up on it and so he well he rolled to sneak before he even asked me he goes i'm gonna i'm gonna sneak and he rolled the dice he goes and i and he rolled really well and i go he he can't sneak up on him he goes are you sure i go yes i'm sure and to his chagrin he you know both in both those cases each player and there were different players they were both a little bit miffed by my ruling which was not a ruling. It was just what the rule said. So then afterwards, one of them, I think it was the, uh, I think it was a, oh my God, I can't remember what it was. But the monster, he, the player looked it up and later on emailed me saying, oh yeah, you were right about that. I go, yeah, I know. I read the rules. <laughs> There's the difference. You can point it out. You can say, right. I think this is the way it should be. But if the GM says, no, no, this is the way we're going to go then that's when you need to stop because if you keep doing it after that, then it becomes rules lawyery, right? Where you're challenging people at the table versus just playing the game. Well, that's the other thing is that it depends on the kind of group. Do are the people, your friends, do people have in the middle of the game stop to have to rule discussions about what you can or can't do. Right. Right. Can can that character really do that? Right. And I've been in, in both kind of games, but a lot of times I play with, with a lot of GMs so they're very concerned with are you sure you can do this this way and then they someone wants to look it up and so that's it's a more kind of it it interrupts the role-playing part but it also 
gives them peace of mind that you're, oh yeah, you can do that. And then a lot of times they say, well, this is what the rule says, but I don't think that that's going to, I think it's better the way that we're doing it, right? Right. We've done that before, house rule stuff. Yeah. So a lot of it has to do with tact, right? Like, what's the situation? Like like Jolene said, if you know the GM and known him for a while and is a friend, then approaching him, even though it might make him upset, not going to get kicked out of the game or whatever. If it was, if it's a one-shot at a table, at a game at a store or, or a convention, a who cares? If it's at a if it's at a game store, but it's an ongoing game where this is like a paid GM or whatever, then I would probably be point tactful, it out. Point it out. Say, look, this is what I look. I looked it up, and again, not at the game table. Either email them or talk to them before the game or after a session. Say, hey, can I ask you a question or whatever, and then talk to them and see what and ex- explain your your side of the story or your interpretation of what you read. And then also tell him this, especially this cleric, play, this play, cleric player, say, you know what? Ever since you made that ruling, I really feel like my character's really suffered, and is not as good as as I as I believe he should be. So then you can say, if you're going to keep that kind of rule, I'd like to change what yes. I what I'm can doing. Can I change? Can I change the character and make a new character of the same level or whatever? Because. Can I swap out this spell for that spell or something like that? Or even, yeah, or even something easier like that. But uh, you can even change the character. And that might have a, quite a bit of a, of a change because he, oh, not he, but the, the GM has to make a decision. Well, one, is the evidence that is, is given to, to them good or convincing enough to change his ruling? And whether he likes it or not or whether he thinks it's overpowered or not, that's the rules. So, so that that if he's gonna, if that if that GM is gonna still say, well, I still think it's overpowered. I'm still not gonna allow it. Then you should say, well, can I change characters? Well, because there's two kinds of there's two kinds of of groups with GMs, right? Right. There's the group where the GM is the final arbitrator, and that's what he says it. That's the way it's gonna be. Yeah, and, and then there's groups where, where. The, the the players can go to the GM and say, no, that's not the way the rule says it. And I don't think that you should make that rule. You should do that arbitrarily, right? Arbitrarily, yes. And I think you're right. I think there's there's different types of GMs out there. There's some hard-nosed guys, uh, guys but hard-nosed GMs that do not, won't budge, right? They believe that they're right and and. I tend to stay away from those GMs. Well, that, and that's where the idea of the arbitrary GM comes in, right? The that 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 they're against you because you're giving oh, the them adversarial GM adversary. Yes, yeah. sorry, you're giving them proof that this is the way that it's written, and, it's like and they're like going, "No, I don't care. I don't care." Right. That's the GM I would walk away from and not yes. play in anymore. And yeah, and because you, you're not going to have fun because right. if you build a character a certain way, he could, they could arbitrarily say, "I don't like it. It's overpowered." I'm not going to allow that. And you're like, wow, okay. That's tough. That's tough when you're in that situation. And I think you can either change characters or, or stop playing. But this guy's been playing for a, a, year, a year with the same group. With the same group. So, you know, they're, so he they probably know knows them. Yeah, they know each other a little bit more. Even if they they just got together. I mean, when you've been playing for a year, you know everybody in the group pretty well, I would think. Unless it's a very strange situation. I mean, unless like it's like you play at a game store and you all like live miles and miles away from each you other. You meet five minutes before the game and you leave five minutes yeah, after the game. Yeah, and there's no other kind of interaction. 
Yeah, I think we covered it. I think we we talked about the the different types of GMs. Uh, whether you, uh, there is that idea that well, just go along and to get along kind of thing was one of your answers. I think that would work only if it's a one shot for to me. If it's something like like this guy whose cleric is continually being hobbled or nerfed in every session, then you're like, I don't you feel like something's been taken away from you that you should have and you feel picked on or however you want to look at it, then I would definitely have a conversation with the GM. A one shot, I say, yeah, whatever. I'll just not worry about it. I understand. But in a one shot, if the GM is totally wrong and you know they're totally wrong, it's a convention game and at the end of the convention game, do you tell him? Oh, hey, yeah. Yeah, you you're reading that rule completely wrong. I just want you to know this for the next time you run the game. <laughs> oh, that I mean, and that I've heard especially that, if you don't know them. I've, I mean, I've heard that conversation before with people. The, the the people have gone, oh, I think you got this rule wrong. And you go, there, really? And they'll have like a five or ten minute discussion after that. And I'm like, I'm out of here. I don't, I don't want. I don't need to hear this. I don't want to hear this conversation. But they do have that has happened, and uh, I think that happens because people who play role playing games actually think about stuff and read the rules and even if even if they like it's a one shot and they wanted to try the game right. they may have read something about it or watched an actual play or they even have the book yeah and they just want to say i want to see how the rules are played right how and works. then and then they might have questions for the gm afterwards if they didn't do it the way that that they read it yes a, a, a long time ago well not a long time ago but pretty much every fake game i ran uh -huh. my dresden files files my moderate Dresden game that I ran f quite a few times, I would tell them, I go, look, I'm not a fate GM. I'm using the fate rules, but I don't use them exactly the way they say that I use them. So if you're here to see how fate core works, this is not the game to be playing in. I'm running a role-playing game where the basic system is fate, but I'm not using the rules as written because... I have a hard time understanding those rules. Well, see, and that, that's in, that's important, I think, for GMs to let people know, right? Right. And I tell them, like, I ran a World War II game, and I mm -hmm. said, look, I'm not a World War II expert. I am not. So I suggest you should say that when you run a Star a Star Trek game. <laughs> I've done that, Star Trek. <laughs> exactly, because of you and your son. <laughs> and I, I, at the start of every Star Trek game, I said, look, I'm not a Star I'm not a Trekkie. I don't know the the world the universe of star trek i've seen a few episodes quite a few episodes but i can't tell you which number and all that stuff also the same thing with the star trek adventures i want to run a game that's a little bit more light that faster uh that works faster and using all the little rules is not the kind of game i want to run but i like the rules as they are i like the game the rule mechanic the 2d20 mechanic the momentum that idea but like uh this is a vicious this does a vicious uh attack uh sure if you want to look it up and and see what that does i'll add it to the to the rules or to the situation but uh but if you want to see like if you come to my games and you want to see how that rule that game is run like rules as written it's you're not coming to my game for that well most trekkies will just go with the flow and tell you exactly what they think about that and how it actually works when it comes to shields and stuff like that, which is where Saul had a problem with me, Augustine and Chris. Because <laughs> we're like, uh, 
That's not the way the shields work. It didn't say anything about shields in the play. This was a play test, by the way. So, oh, you guys. So, leave me alone. Anyway, I explicitly, especially Star Trek, yeah. I tell them, look, I am not a Trekkie. If I get something wrong, it's my fault. I just don't know the universe as well as possibly some of the, you here. And I can tell that you're Trekkies. Since you showed up to your, to the game dressed in a Star Trek a uniform. Star Trek <laughs> uniform, I'm a little bit intimidated. <laughs> I just want to make sure you, you realize this. But I think most, most people who are fans like that, like I run a Conan, if I run a Conan game or I run any kind of game that is IP material, I think most people will let me slide on rules or not even the rules, but on the with the, the IP, the intellectual yeah. property knowledge set. And especially if it comes to Conan or Star Trek, if they are really versed in it, they will they will add to you. They will right. tell you exactly the way they think it should be, or this is the way that it works in the show. I don't know if you want to use this, but this is this is what I know. Luckily for me, a lot of people who are they're they're such fans they're just glad to be able to be playing my game. It's and true. It's Star Trek enough that it's enough for them to be quiet in the game. It's true. And I and I, if you want a full table at any convention, run a Star Trek game. No matter what rule set you're talking about, there's there's been I don't know how many different types of role playing games rules for Star Trek. I run Star Trek Adventures, and every time I have a full table. In fact, more than a full table, and. And mainly because there's just just not enough games to go around. And those fans are really happy to play in those games. It's true. So if you really want, if you, and this is just aside from uh, telling the GM he's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to run a game and have a full table at any convention, yeah, run a really popular IP. And even if you don't know the rules so well, or you do know the rules, come up with people who may know things that you don't know <laughs> right? because right. some people are really into their intellectual properties that they like. Right. In fact, one one time when I was running Star Trek Adventures, the guy had the book, had the, the rule book. And then he goes, oh, this is what this means. Like, because he asked me, what what does vicious mean on a, on a weapon? I go, I think it does extra damage. So then he looked it up. He goes, yes, it does extra damage. I go, cool. I was right. So, I mean, I, I had read the rules, but it was still early on in the in the in the system that I hadn't memorized everything so i would say that most of the time if a gm is wrong or you think a gm is wrong just read the situation if you know the person and you know how they're going to react to you going i don't think that's the way the rule is then you know whether to tell them in the middle of the game and you don't want to interrupt the flow of the game either right right right. that's a lot of times people say go with it until the end of the game and then have the discussion but most GMs I've found are willing to go through the rules with you, look it up, and figure it out. Right, and it depends on how big the situation is, right? Yeah. Like if 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 you if it's a something like oh I don't hit this time because of this rule or not rule or the rule is or isn't applied, you can wait till the end of the game. But if it's something that's going to keep occurring to your character, like this guy in his spiritual hammer. Maybe I would say, hold on, and, and stop the game because it's going to have a fundamental impact on the rest of the game. And that's when you say, I'm confused. I thought that this is what my character could do. Right. And this is what I read. Especially if you quote the What am I missing? How did I get it wrong? Yes. Yes. And then, and then there you go. So I think that, that tact 
you could be really successful because you're diffusing the situation. Right. You're not you're not coming across. You're not accusatory. You're, you're not being accusatory. That's you're right. you're questioning, and you 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 are showing that you're not sure. But even if you do know that this is the way the rule <laughs> is, right? You're you're coming across as the one going. I have a question. I thought that this was what it was supposed to do. Right. Why am I not being able to do this? Right. And I think that goes a long ways. Yeah. But you know what? Also be uh, know, know that uh, the GMs are not all knowing, no matter how they seem, no matter how uh, what a good face they put out. So uh, be nice when they make an error. And I think that that will definitely help you when you bring something up to the GM. No matter what the situation, before the game, after the game, or real quick in the game. Oh, I thought uh, my weapon did this amount of damage. Okay, uh, you know, and that's that's something that you can handle in game. Or usually when there's usually a break sometime in the yeah. middle of the game, so bring it up then, and I think uh, you'll be more successful that way as a player. There you go. Good luck. Good luck. This is gaming perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.